मैं सोच रही थी वॉट यू थिंक इज द पॉपुलेशन ऑफ द वर्ल्ड राइट ना अबाउट सेवन एंड हाफ टू एट बिलियन पीपल और उनमें से हाउ मेनी पीपल हैव एक्सेस टू द इंटरनेट हाफ मे बी एंड आउट ऑफ दोज पीपल हाउ मेनी डू थिंक सोशल मीडिया सैवी फॉर इंस्टेंस हाउ मेनी वुड हैव एक्सेस टू इंस्टाग्राम First of all, why are you asking this Fazulka question? Who cares? No, know? because I want to find out how does one get fifty million followers on Instagram? How? That's easy by marrying Nick Jonas. Oh, I suppose that's one way. Actually, I did have Priyanka Chopra in mind when I asked you that. You know, but I can tell you how you don't get fifty million followers. How's that? By putting up photos of trees, sunsets, tube stations, omelets. I wonder who you're talking about because I have no idea. Oh, no, do I? Welcome to the Shabby and Man podcast. We are partners, parents, podcasters, broadcasters, and everything else in between. What do we want to talk about today? You know, just before we start, what are we going to talk about? Um, over the weekend, one of my guitar heroes died. Mm. Uh, Peter Green. You know, are you familiar with Peter Green? No. Remind me again. He formed uh, Fleetwood Mac. Actually, yeah, of course, actually, I did. Actually, he was so cool that uh, in those days, when he formed the band, mm. he decided to call the band after the two other members: Mick Fleetwood, mm. who was the drummer. Mm. And John McVie, so it could have been, you know, Fleetwood McVie. He called it. It became Fleetwood Mac. There could be two reasons for that. A, he wanted them to take the blame for it, or did he want? To he take was, them? No, he was quite a cool guy, and mm. uh, um, you must have heard of um, Black Magic Woman. Yes. You probably know the Santana version. Yeah. It's, it's his song. Yeah, some great songs he did, mm. and then he left the band after a couple of years, mm. and then it became the uh, half American hybrid kind of band that you know. Mm. Anyway, well, my point is that, you know, he was like quite a hero to me. Mm. I sometimes wish that I could speak about him. You know, unfortunately, Asian media is such mm. that you can't really vent these sort of thoughts and feelings that you have to do. You know, you have to stick to Bollywood, Bollywood, Bollywood. Mm. You know where I'm coming from. You know what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, we've spoken about this often enough. How um, there are various influences that shape our personality, our taste in music, culture, art, books, all of that, and it is not necessarily always. Related to your ethnicity. That's right. It doesn't always have to be straight and simple, uh, pigeonholed, yeah. stereotyped, all those kind of things. And I think in that respect, you and I, or rather everybody from the British Asian community, or expatriates, or non-resident uh, Indians, Asians, have an advantage because you know I grew, I've grown up in India, so naturally that in- Indian influence will always be ingrained in me. But then I've lived here long enough, I think, and even while I was in India, because we had been exposed to Western music, we started our career on radio in the Western music section. As That's right. Rock you, and pop. You used to play a lot of um, what is basically, if you were tuning in in London, yes, it would be very mellow and be very. Uh, I don't want to use the words, but be very like magic and heartish. You know, oh, okay, it's that kind of stuff. Very mellow, very magical, straight from the heart. Is that what you're That's saying? That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, because so, that was because um, I still play the same songs now. Yes, as you're saying. I mean, see, obviously, I don't don't know these bands as well as you do because you grew up here in London and they were all part of your growing up years. But I know Fleetwood Mac. Uh, I know right, Brian Adams. I know Eagles, the Beatles, and you know all the rest of it, Santana and Dire Straits, and because we used to play them on radio. We used to play them, and when in front of us both MTV came in a big yeah, way. Yeah. So suddenly all these American influences yeah, also suddenly came, came in. And equally impressive was the fact that a spin-off from MTV coming to India was Channel V, which was a very desi look at Western culture, and it wasn't essentially Asian culture, but it was giving an Asian spin to all you these Western influences. You might know someone who worked there. Yeah, of course. You worked with him as well, right? I, 
Oh, you uh, worked there as well for a bit. I almost forgot. Yes, I know that some of the big superstars on that channel I worked with. Yeah, but with, you worked. But I was also there, you know. For yeah, a bit. and but you were one of those people who got a job there, and then in a week's time you walked out in a huff, saying that oh, this is not really what I signed up for, kind of thing. Yeah. But because uh, I was behind the scenes, yeah. They said, yeah. They said write stuff. Yes. I don't. Know, I don't write stuff. I think that's why we feel it more when coming to. Uh, I feel that coming to Britain, living in London, being a part of Asian media, when we expect to react only to certain things, we expect to talk about certain things, and uh, you know, now is the time to speak up for the for the British Asian community because all these buzzwords flying around: BAME, inclusivity, blurring the lines between different cultures, Black Lives Matter, uh, assimilating all the different influences that make Great Britain what it is today, which is a melting pot of cultures. Actually, talking about diversity, you've mm. seen they've made a conscious effort mm. to be much more inclusive. Everyone yeah. is trying to do their share, which is a very good thing. Yeah. But I think we mentioned this about a year, year and a half ago that BAME, mm. for, for anyone who doesn't know, is Black, Asian, minor, minority ethnics. Yeah, they've kind of categorized all of us who are not white into this mm. BAME category. You're not very taken with the which idea. is, you know, I understand where it's coming from and breaking glass ceilings and helping you along the way. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Mm. But just to be either you're this or you're that mm. is I, either you're is, white or non-white. Yeah, is that what you're saying? I, yeah, I'm not a great fan of that actually. Mm. Because sometimes then you might think, oh, they only pick me because I tick this box. Yeah. Which is what happens. But I also feel that sometimes it's important to have certain laws in place and give people uh, certain goals to aspire to in terms of having X number of people from certain communities, having women in higher places. Because unless you made a rule, if you left things to develop organically, it will be probably centuries before women and men are equally represented, you know, before the pay gap is completely eliminated. I totally agree with you. I think it's a step in the right direction. It's a good thing to do. Hmm. But I just don't like the way it's so black and white. Hmm. And then it brings me back to India. Remember they had little, they had uh, categories for a lower class, this, yeah. this, which yeah. all makes sense. Scheduled caste, scheduled which, tribes. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. But what I didn't agree was they had, they had certain ones for medicine and all that you can become a doctor if you're from this place. Hmm. No, I, I don't think it was... No, that would have been quite extreme. But you're right. Kangana herself, I think, Kangana Ranath, to refer back to Bollywood, uh, made a statement recently in the context of nepotism that, you know, when she first came to Bollywood, she says that, oh, I look at the star kid system as a reservation or a quota system as we had in India. And she did say that in my pre-medical exam, because I came from a certain family where my father was a businessman, and my mother was a teacher, my grandfather was a freedom fighter. I had a quota, which kind of really alarmed me. I'm not sure if that's how uh, medical schools work, but you are right. I hope it doesn't. Yeah, I hope it doesn't because you don't want a doctor who's made it not on merit, but because they happen to know someone or they happen to be from a certain uh, section of society. So, so yeah, was it Peter Green who triggered this thought that Is I it, wish uh, I could talk about yeah, because without uh, having to justify why this this weekend uh, Peter Green passed away, John Saxon, yeah. who you know I grew up watching Enter the Dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about these sort of things. Yeah. yeah, so I just thought it'd be nice if it's not always confined to. Yeah. I, I was actually Bollywood. quite grateful because you put it in context for me. To me, John Saxon means absolutely nothing because I wasn't a big fan of the Bruce Lee films. But you said that he was the man in Shalimar, right? That's right. So, 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 so I had to tell you that you know Rex Harrison and, and, and John Saxon and were Dharmendra, in Shalimar. Right? Dharmendra was Dharmendra, yeah, of course. I knew it because of the that was a, Shalimar was a diamond, wasn't it? Yeah. Putting all this to one side, if you had the freedom to do a show, whether it is on television or on radio or in a podcast format, and if you had the freedom to talk about absolutely anything you wanted, what would be your ideal show? What would we talk about? 
if you had to play music, what kind of music would you play? Uh, that's that's my whole point. It'd be a whole uh, mishmash of mm. things that interest me. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that I only play Bhangra or only play Bollywood mm. or I only talk about so and so thing. It's mm. I have a lot of interests. Yeah. So you would uh, like to talk about anything that uh, resonates can, with you? As, exactly. I can be from both sides of the world. You know, from wherever. If I want to talk about suitable boy, because suitable suitable boy at the moment. Yeah. Though, so, totally digress, people have had a, had a very mixed reaction to the first episode. Which is quite surprising because, you know, there were uh, sections of the press, those who had seen previews, and they were completely going gaga over it. And I have to mention this, that uh, I won't tell you how many years ago, but many, many years ago when I first came to this country, it was one of the first audio tapes that I bought from Borders, the famous bookshop in Oxford Circus. It's American change. It's an American change. Closed down. And I, you remember, I, we paid a lot of money for that four cassette uh, compilation. And suited boy it was the suitable boy done for radio 4 and it had been recorded completely in india in mumbai and pune with a stellar cast you know uh, it you was know. one of the most riveting audio plays i had ever ever heard in my life it was the audio version of suitable boy which led me to the book my mom had the book for years and years but it was after hearing this that I was actually tempted to buy a copy myself and read the book. You know, just uh, another story that I used to go to all these parties years and years ago in Delhi. Hmm. And I always used to Media see parties, you mean? You still go to parties. And I parties. always used to see Roshan say it um, uh-huh. here and there, yeah? yeah. And for, obviously for me, he was Buddha of suburbia, while for everyone else he was... Nehru. Nehru, yeah. Yeah, for you he was Buddha of suburbia. He was in Buddha of suburbia, right. which was, uh, he was a dad. Yeah, I would have thought that the most famous role he's ever done is Nehru in Andrew's I think he was uh, Naveen Andrew's dad in it. All right. So, yeah, so Suitable Boy has had mixed reactions. But what are you saying? You want to talk about Suitable Boy, but then equally you want to talk about... I don't know, Indian matchmaking? No, we haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen that, but <laughs> yeah, talk about that. Yeah. And then talk about, you know, my favourite things. Uh, um, the joy of Argyle socks. I love the soft texture of these um, Scottish socks. Coming back to what we were talking about, ask me what my ideal show would be. So, Shaborani, what would be your ideal show? I don't care whether it is on television or whether it is in a podcast form or whether it is on radio, but I love interviewing people. And I think my ideal show would have to be a chat show. I hasten to add that no, I'm not interested in sharing a coffee with anyone or a tea or a sharbat or a champagne with Shabnam. And it doesn't even have to be a celebrity, you know, somebody who's famous. But I have often found in course of my uh, career in the media, when I've interviewed people, I've interviewed the biggest of Bollywood stars, I've interviewed people from many walks of life. Anyone who has battled the odds in their life and somehow had found the courage, found the inspiration, found the right uh, family and friends set up at the right time to, you know, soldier on and get to an enviable position, their story has something to teach us. I actually agree with you. I think some of the most riveting stories yeah. are those which from people who are not famous, not people famous at all. who really live the life. Yeah. And, you know, that is, I'm not saying that I don't want to interview famous people and I'm not saying that, you know, holding their fame against them because, you know, it takes a lot for someone to climb to the, to oh, the summit of their sure. profession. Absolutely. And be be famous. I mean, you can still be at the top of your profession and not be known at all. But uh, it has to be a mixed bag of guests. And I think I see myself doing a chat show at some point and maybe this could be my retirement gift to myself in the media. But, but, uh, but then, you know, what happens? You know, how the world works. What? If you interview someone who's not famous. Yeah. Who's going to tune in? Who's going to tune in kind of thing. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it's not about my guests' fame. It's about what they have to say. It's about what we can take away from their story. You know, because no one 
in this world has the perfect formula for success and everyone who's achieved success of any kind has got to where they are today by trial and error and it is the knocks that they've taken along the way which has really shaped their character and made them the people they are today and it doesn't have to be necessarily in the world of acting or directing or singing or fashion or modeling or you know i'm talking about the normal stars who people talk about does it have to be asian content it doesn't have to be asian at all not at all you know there's another piece of news that people were discussing in india and you and i talked about this briefly as well which was this whole scam of having fake followers on social media so mumbai police apparently has put out two names which is what has got everybody talking they've picked priyanka chopra jonas and deepika padukone saying that i find that very unfair why choose just these two i'm not quite sure yeah and we're not even implying anything at all given that priyanka has 55 million followers on instagram alone and deepika has 50 million but apparently there are a lot of people who are suddenly wondering how you get to these mind boggling numbers and exactly as you're saying they're not the only ones by any means you are a big fan of twitter and, and you're totally the opposite i'm exactly the opposite i think it has to do with people's personality whether you warm to twitter or tiktok or instagram or facebook i think depends entirely on how you are as a person how you like to share news who you like to reach out to your argument has always been that if you're in the media if you're in the public eye then you don't want to just chit chat with your family and friends because they know you anyway you want to reach out to those who don't know you you want to impress them with you, with what you might have to say and i think the only time you go on twitter is when you suddenly get a notification that someone has tagged you or someone yeah. has said something and you just kind of like it and you think that twitter is the best platform to reach out to the world i do i mean i notice that people who don't even use twitter use twitter to complain okay my gas cylinder is not working huh. airline tickets have uh, not been refunded because i feel that's the one way that you'll actually get an answer back yeah but i also feel that twitter is not meant for people who are not very thick skinned because i get i would get very upset you get trolls you get people saying horrible things about you you have to be made of very stern stuff to take that on the chin read it day in and day out and say oh you know what these people don't really know me or it doesn't really bother me i think i'm far too sensitive how bland must the life be that you want just everyone to like you no it's not about everyone liking you but it's not about everyone hating you with such a passion that at times they are saying things which you wouldn't say to anyone just for the sake of being mean to you and that is why i that is my biggest problem with twitter but you were saying how Twitter is what makes you realize how this world is really a global stage. It has become very small. I'll give you an example. Mm. Like um, three, four days ago, this trend started in India about um, uh, these jokes. Mm. I have a joke about this, 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 huh. but I can't tell you. And mm. it went on and on. Yeah. Then suddenly people in America are doing it. Then people here in England are doing it. Mm. So it just tr- traveled in about four days. Mm. It was all over the world. Everyone was world. talking about the same thing. And the reverse thing also happened with that rising girl thing where... Yeah. Kim Kardashian all are putting up a black and white photograph and yeah. suddenly Bollywood stars are putting Takes up Takes about two days for Bollywood to catch on. Bollywood stars are putting up black and white photographs. Yeah. Yeah. So you what you saying that you know the whole world is talking it's about It's a very uh, social media has made the world a very small place. Yeah. And I I think you should sometimes use it to your advantage, you know, and Yeah. But it's not a question of using it sometimes. It's one of those things where either you get sucked in and you get addictive and you're tweeting like all day long about the most mundane things. I like to put mundane things on Instagram. It's not that I'm not into mundane things, but I like to put them on Instagram. But you know what talking about social media followers. A couple of Bollywood stars have been in the news for talking about nepotism. Is'm talking about various things. Rahul Roy, who became an overnight sensation 30 years ago when Ashiki came out, Rahul Roy has spoken about how he became the poster boy 
virtually overnight when the film was a hit and then subsequently he had a tremendous fall from grace because you know nobody wanted him and he said that I didn't want to play the Bollywood game but speaking specifically about social media he says that my fans 30 years ago the fans who made me a superstar who are not on Twitter because there was no Twitter there was no Facebook there was no paid publicity I feel those were my real fans. Paid fans, paid followers, you can get a dime a dozen. And he actually says a very funny line. He says that some of these big stars, if they go to a public place and if they're not accompanied by their publicist and their secretary and if there's no security with them, people won't even recognize them. You know, it's that kind of thing. But you would probably see that they are being followed by billions, millions of people on social media. So that is again another, I think he's again a bit like me. He's not a big fan of social media and he says that somehow things are not that organic. Things are very structured, manufactured, pre-planned and I don't know, very synthetic in the world of social media. That's what he feels. Even A.R. Rahman was in the... Yeah, A.R. Rahman, not so much about social media. A.R. Rahman and Madhu Brandakar, both of them basically agreeing with the movement which says that, you know, this groupism has to go. Nepotism, favoritism. And it's not just a case of, you know what, you are Javed Akhtar's son or you are Amitabh Bachchan's son or you are uh, Shatrughan Sinha's daughter, so I'm going to choose you. They are saying our beef is with the fact that you are Javed Akhtar's son, so I will choose you, but I will also make sure that somebody who is a nobody, who's trying to get into Bollywood, I will make sure that, you know, they don't even have access to the auditions or they don't even have a chance at getting anywhere near. I think over the weekend, Zoya Akhtar mentioned the fact that if a barber yeah. has a dukan, he will yeah. obviously, his son will also become a barber. barber and yeah. But my problem with that statement is that that's fine. If that makes sense. Hmm. But that doesn't mean you make the whole street, hmm. uh, you make Yours. sure that no one else can yeah. become a barber on that street. That's the problem, I think. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things which is not going to go away overnight and it's going to need a lot of um, effort on everyone's part to make sure that Bollywood is a more democratic place, that it's a level playing field. In fact, in this nepotism de debate, somebody also pointed out that the public has to take its share of the blame. If you stop watching movies that are only by these star kids and if you start rubbishing them, if they are rubbish, if you say so, as you would if it wasn't a star kid, then automatically, you know, if their profits drop and if they know that they have to work very hard to get your money, to get your interest, to get your respect, then automatically the star system would disintegrate, you know, or it wouldn't have such a tight grip on Bollywood. I think that's easier said than done. Easier said than done, perhaps, but there is a grain of truth in that as well, because at the end of the day, Bollywood is ke maabap ka nahi hai. It exactly. only runs on money and money alone. Profit is the only blood that runs in Bollywood's vein, as long as people know that. You know, I'm just smiling. At the start of this podcast, I did this tirade. I gave this bhajan huh. that, uh, you know, uh, don't box tick us and we don't only talk yes. about Bollywood and what have we ended up doing? Talking, talking about, about Bollywood. Bollywood. I know. Maybe, just maybe, to prove our point that we don't just talk about Bollywood, we should do a podcast about all these wonderful music festivals that we've been to over the years. We've done, other than Glastonbury, I'd like to think we've done quite a few big ones. Okay, other than Glastonbury and Download and V and all the ones meant for these young people. We've done... Uh, some very, very good. Well, oh, sorry, what makes you think I haven't done Glastonbury okay, before I met you? Okay, maybe you've done Glastonbury before. Don't be so I, presumptuous. Okay. Yeah. So maybe we should talk about that and how we are big fans of that as well and big fans of not just the music and the bands but of the ambience and everything that... So, uh, sorry, so what did you used to do in your days? You used to go to the IIT... Yeah, fest. Uh, fest. Yes. Time to say bye-bye, I think. This is when we start rambling and we know that it's time to wrap up. Oh, by the way, do please rate us, subscribe, 
do all the things you do. The and follow people, us on socials. And follow us on social media. We well. may not have 55 million followers, but we have at least 55. Just about. You. See you next time. Bye-bye.